Hello, welcome to Health Systems Pathways, and thanks for tuning in. This podcast is designed to share insights that inform, inspire, and invite discussion about what's being done to make it easier for people to navigate complex health systems in different parts of the world. I am Marina Dalton-Brown from Population Services International, more fondly known as PSI, and I am pleased to be your host today. So let's get right into it. In today's episode, we talk about drug shops and the role they have in connecting people with the broader health system. But before we go there, it's important to distinguish between pharmacies and drug shops. So, pharmacies are dispensers of prescription pharmaceutical products and may also sell other retail products and offer basic health services. These are owned, operated, or supervised by a registered pharmacy professional and are typically overseen by a national or regional regulator. Drug shops, on the other hand, are usually unregulated or poorly regulated, though they may still sell prescription or over-the-counter health products. Sometimes, they operate outside of a formal regulatory environment. But they are an important point of care for many persons living in rural areas or outside of city centers. And in fact, properly integrating them into the health system by providing training, standards, and a regulatory process has the potential to significantly improve patient care. In Tanzania, the National Food and Drug Administration and the Pharmacy Council have been working, along with other partners, since 2005 to develop a mechanism to bring drug shops into the national healthcare system by certifying them and improving the quality of products and services being offered. This is called the ADO model, which stands for the Accreditation of Drug Dispensing Outlets. Since its inception, more than 14,000 drug shops have been accredited or certified, and over 26,000 dispensers trained. And studies have shown that these drug shops perform well at many aspects of providing patient care. As a result, a number of other countries have their eye on this model and are at different stages of progress, including Bangladesh, Nigeria, Uganda, and Madagascar, among others. My guests today share their perspectives of how this model has impacted their work and their families directly. Mr. Richard Silumbi is the Malaria Case Management Officer supporting the National Malaria Control Program in Tanzania and has first-hand knowledge of the implementation of the ADO model. Ms. Howell Goodwin Milangazi is a businesswoman who runs an enterprise in Chamazi, just over 28 kilometers from Dar es Salaam, and she has sought care for her family at an ADO retailer. So let's hear from them about how accredited drug shops are changing the lives of Tanzanians and strengthening the health system there. Richard? Welcome. Tell us about yourself and tell us about what you do. Thank you so much for your invitation. My name is Richard Silombe, the officer supporting the National Malaria Control Program here in Tanzania for more than a decade now. 
and I've been working to support malaria case management through the private sector as well. That's where we connected with the ADO model. Currently, we are doing a lot of intervention through malaria and uh, our country is aiming at the elimination stage. We are aiming to reach less than uh, 1% at the end of the uh, targeted year. Currently, we are almost in 8.5, but we are comfortable we'll be there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Richard. So drug shops have been an important part of the health landscape of Tanzania for a long time. And as we mentioned, the ADO model was introduced in 2005. So paint us a picture of what was happening then and why it was important to introduce this mechanism, this approach. To be honest, Marina, basing on the, the data that we have uh, before 20, uh, 2005, there was a lot of uh, challenges in the health systems, especially how we access the essential uh, healthcare to the communities where they are located, the hard to reach areas. So at that time, majority of our population were located in the rural settings and we didn't have enough uh, healthcare facilities to provide that essential healthcare. So majority were depending on the drug shops that were then before, and these were established everywhere and were less regulated. Uh, and uh, even the ones that were providing the service were not clearly regulated by government. So with the enactment of Tanzania's Food and Drug and Cosmetics of 2003, at least they provided a room to start regulating the drug shops. The government started to think how best we can improve these shops uh, and we can make intensive regulations with this existing uh, law and uh, how we can transform them to become a better point of care that can as assist to increase access to es essential medicines. Um, so that's where the transformation come in terms of policy and the establishment of regulation through Tanzania Food and Drug Authority by then, uh, but now it's called Tanzania Medicines and Medical Devices Authority. So to start with, we started with one region to establish that model. I remember that was heavily supported with our partner, Med Management Science for Health, M MSH. Uh, I worked with the government, worked with Minister of Health and TMDA to transform them, that model to impinge to at least one region. That was Rubuma. And then we made a rollout to the countrywide through the other partners, including Global Fund and the USAID. So up to now, as you mentioned earlier, more than 14,000 newly transformed accredited drug dispensing outlets are there in country. And through this model, we are happy to say we have at least find a solution of bringing back or ensuring the access of essential medicines to the rural settings and hard to reach areas. So we are utilizing that model to provide services to reach easier to the communities. For instance, insecticide treated nets are distribution and also um, bringing the family planning medicines uh, and other um, health programs that uh, they have been uh, penetrated through this model to make sure that the community is reached easily. Even the insurance, uh, I mean, they, the people who have been insured by national health um, 
insurance funds and uh, they want to access the medicines. Once they miss from the, the formal health facilities, they are allowed also to go to those some space selected adults to access medicine uh, through the uh, being a member of the National Health Insurance Funds. So this model, it has been a game changer and we are, we are very happy being an innovative as Tanzania because we are aware that other countries came and, uh, and also learned from this model and they replicated in their countries. So that's really fascinating, Richard. And thank you for painting that picture. It's, it seems to be an impactful mechanism that has been put in place. I actually wanted to open to Hawa. So Hawa, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Tell us about yourself. Um, tell us about what you do. And then we're interested to hear about how this mechanism has impacted you. My name is Hawa Gordon Milangas, and I'm happy to be here with all of you. I live in Dar es Salaam, outside of the city, in a place called Bagana Chamazi. So I have three children. I'm a mother of three children, one boy and two girls, and I'm a small business owner. In my business, I buy secondhand clothes from Kariakor and I sell them in Chamazi. And in the community where I live, most people are middle class and low class people. They wake up in the morning every day to go and hustle and, you know, see if they can earn an income to feed their children and their families. And basically that's the life that um, I live in Chamazi. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. So Drug shops have been a part of the health system where you are. How has it been interacting with the ADU model and with the drug shop in this new kind of dispensation where there's more certified drug shop retailers? How has that experience been for you? Okay. I know has contributed very much in our communities, in our everyday life. For example, in the past, we used to walk very long distances to be able to access health facilities. But now that we have adults in the community, in the vicinity of the areas where we live, we're able to get professional advice and essential medicines and even when you get a prescription from the health facility, we are able to fill it from the other shops. So ADO has contributed very much in our everyday life, in our communities. So walk us through a real life experience of when maybe your family or yourself, you had to access care. What was that experience like? So there was one time when one of my family members got sick and we went to an ADO shop and the healthcare provider at the ADO advised us to go to the health facility so that, the, so that my relative can be tested and we were able to go to the health facility and the doctor prescribed anti-malaria drugs, the ADO anti-malaria drugs, and we went back to the ADO shop where they were dispensed to us. And so because of that, we're able to access, because we have other shops in our communities, we're able to access 
medicine more easily than it was before. That sounds like it, it really makes an impact. As, as we're hearing this, I could feel it. I could feel as a mother myself, you know, wanting to access care for my children or my relative and what it means to be able to do that. Richard, I'm going to come back to you. Um, you're hearing this. You are a member of the Tanzanian population as well. Have you interacted in a personal way as well with the ADO model, with the retailers? How has that been for you? Yes, Marina. I think as just a citizen, I have interacted a lot. One of the studies that was provided is, say, more than 60% uh, percent of population um, were preferring to go to the drug shops once they get fever. So I cannot tell something to myself on those days. It's like uh, once I get fever, then you say the closer drug shop you have, that's where you can get your medicines and something like that. We should also see at the angle of economic point of view, uh, how the community are also benefiting. Like my colleague Ahawa, she's saying uh, now she can be able to get the right medicines at the cheaper price. And she doesn't want to walk for a distance to the health facilities for over-the-counter medicine so they can be able to kind of access near to their, their homes. Apart from that, being a citizen, uh, I've been interacting with ADO as a, as a regulator, as a, as a, as a partner uh, from National Malaria Control Program, where our interventions are also embedded through the ADO model. So we had a lot of plans how we can utilize this ADO model to improve malaria case management. And we did a lot of pilots to make sure that the people who are missing from the facilities can also access at the very affordable um, uh, manner to get these medicines from the drug shops, including adults. So I think mm. yeah, for malaria point of view, also the adults has been very helpful because it ensures the government, the Minister of Health, the NMCP to reach the rural settings in a very formal way. And since... They are very close to the house settings. It's easier to make sure that our health programs are benefiting the people through them. Thank you, Richard. It, it really seems like the vision is clear that there is benefits. And we know that with any intervention, with any movement, there are challenges, there are areas for improvement. It has come a tremendous way. Could you summarize for me, Richard, from a Ministry of Health point of view? I think we cannot achieve malaria elimination in Tanzania, maybe, if we are not also bringing intensive interventions through the private sector. Another thing is um, to make sure that government partners who wish to utilize the ADO model to penetrate their programs, they have to speak the, on the, in the same language in terms of uh, if we bring the surveillance system through ADO, not every program has to bring its own checklist, its own tools. And so we need to harmonize all these uh, surveillance systems. Thank you for those contributions. Howell, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your recommendations? And health, one question for Mr. Richard. I would like to ask him because he is from the government. Why doesn't the government maybe train the healthcare providers who are in the adult shops to be able to provide testing services for diseases like malaria? This would really help us in the community so that we don't have to travel very long distances to go to the health facility and then come back to the adult shops. 
that would really um, make it easy for us. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that nice question. <clears throat> so just to make sure we are aware that the National Malaria Control Program is not a regulator for the um, adults or drug shops in the country. And uh, the role of National Malaria Control Program is to implement the interventions that will increase the quality of malaria case management, both in the public and the private sector. We were aware, basing on the Tanzania Malaria Indicator Surveys of 2012, that our population prefer to go to the private sector once they have fever and preferably on the drug shops. So in 2012, that's where as National Malaria Control Program, together with the partners, we thought that uh, if we can provide or to make sure that people are not accessing or taking the antimalarial uh, drugs uh, from the drug shops without being tested. So it's nice to introduce uh, malaria rapid diagnostic tests, which is easier. We did a pilot in two districts within the region in 20, 20, uh, 2014. And also we roll out to that Morogoro region uh, in 2016, uh, with together with other partners like CHAI, uh, Clinton Health Access Initiative, and also PSI, uh, and also involved a lot of government partners, including the Farmers Council themselves and TFDA of those days, but now it's called Tanzania Medicines and Medical Devices Authority. The results that we got in 2016 was really promising, but uh, the Minister of Health of Tanzania uh, thought that maybe the more studies are needed to ensure that there is safety. So for our malaria program, we would wish to increase malaria testing uh, because currently we are uh, less than 60% total malaria testing and we want to achieve over the 85%. So we cannot reach that one if we do not increase um, malaria testing strategy through the communities, through the, the drug shops. As a Minister of Health, we are, uh, will keep on improving the other model to provide uh, the services at high quality, including even some health programs that were not deployed before, but we need to have a very good justification and evidence saying maybe they'll be provided at high level of safety so that the community, they can keep on accessing the high quality services from the other models. Thank you so, so much, Richard. And how were any last thoughts from you? I would like to recommend that the government provides more training to the health personnel in ADOS so that they are able to deal with the challenges that we face when we go to see them while we're in the communities. So once they're well-trained, we can be able to access more meaningful um, and more helpful health services. In that way, it can improve the services that we are getting right now. And because ADO has been very helpful, it, it would make more sense to build on what we are getting at the moment. So in general, I would like to propose to the government to find ways to improve ADO services, services that we get at the ADO shops. Powerful. Thank you so much, Asante. Our guests have spoken and shared their perspectives. Working with drug shops can pose a great opportunity to help fill a gap in the health system 
though there are challenges to overcome along the way. So raising their quality and credibility is advantageous, particularly for those in rural and remote areas. But this requires leadership at a national level, continuous engagement with multiple stakeholders, and it demands patience, trust, and a willingness to genuinely listen to those affected by and those influencing the change. So much thanks to my guests today, Richard and Howell, for sharing your experiences and your perspectives and your insights on how we can make it easier to navigate complex health systems. To learn more about this topic and other health systems strengthening work, head to our website, psi.org. There you can read about this blog post, this theme, and other topics related to health and development. Get in touch with us about your ideas and insights. So stay tuned for our next episode of Health Systems Pathways. Take care and stay connected.